Welcome to another episode of the Rod and Staff podcast, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martyr with the chapelries of St. Mark, the Evangelist, and St. Monica of West Bank. I am Lindsay Shooters, and I'm joined as always by the rector of our parish, Father, the Archdeacon, Father Rodney Whiteman. Father Rodney, how are you doing on this wonderful Mandela Day? And, uh, we're doing well, uh, my family and myself, and also the extended family, and I'm hoping the same for you and your family too. Yes, definitely. My kids slept the longest they've ever slept in their lives today. Um, my kids rise early, no matter what. Um, we can have them up till like 10, 11 at night on special weekends. Um, and they will be up at like 6, 7 for the latest. And this morning, um, my son got up to wee and then he went back to bed and they both promptly fell asleep. And we had plans to go walking in, in the Helderberg, and yeah, they just overslept. So we had a lovely, lazy start to the morning, and then I got stuck into some gardening. And agriculture seems to be quite a theme that we're carrying now over two weeks in this podcast through the through the readings. Uh, we will get into that. It's obviously Mandela Day today. Um, let's get out there, and I hope everybody contributed positively to somebody else's life. Um, giving giving of yourself is the greatest gift you can give another person. And Father Rodney, if you could please just call everybody to pray um, into the right mindset, and then we'll get stuck into it. Brothers and sisters, the Lord, the God of Abraham and Isaac be with you always. Welcome to this, our virtual service in podcast form on the seventh Sunday of Pentecost during COVID-19. And as you well know, further restrictions were put on level three um, uh, so for us to uh, keep, our, keep our minds open to that uh, in order not to let this disease get any worse than it is. Yeah, we give great thanks to God for Madiba um, and his birthday is a part of our um, calendar encouraging us not just this one, once off day in the year, but always to have about us care for others, particularly those less fortunate than us in every uh, department of life. We are also on Madiba Day uh, on our Sunday, focusing on the silver and golden threads. They are the seniors in our church, um, and we thank God for them. They they represent Madiba because of his wisdom and his age. And because of the hard work that they put to to form churches, to keep families together, to form society, even under very um, dark clouds of apartheid in the past. And Madiba is definitely an icon to say we can rise up from those ashes and form new ways of living together. So we are very grateful to be able to be remember to, to remember that as part of our history, uh, joint history with a wonderful person in in Madiba. Let us therefore then pray the collect uh, for to, for today, which brings us to realize it's the church that prays this prayer collectively um, throughout the the province of the Anglican Church in Southern Africa. Lord of heaven and earth, you sent your Holy Spirit to be the life and power of your church. Sow in our hearts the seeds of grace, that we may bring forth the fruit of the Spirit through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, 
one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Father, first reading, Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verses 12 to 25. I feel like we've covered this ground before, but I'm going to come at it from a different angle and say that, yes, verse 14 says that those who are led by God's Spirit are God's children. But aren't we all created in the image of God if you are to follow the creationist's handbook? Why, why, why the separation now? <laughs> I think when we when we look at the original um, understanding of being made in the image of God, bearing within ourselves the the spirit of God, uh, the ruach, we gave us life. Paul makes the distinction here that that seems to be related after the fall of man to human nature. So there's this dualistic um, understanding within us when sin became a reality in our lives. So there's this great battle between the Ruach, the presence of God's spirit within us, and the fact that we wrestled against God and chose to do things in a disobedient way. So that is the human nature. So mm -hmm. this dualistic battle and struggle within the, the, the human person. I think in his previous chapter, chapter seven, he deals with that. I so much want to do good, but I end up not doing good. Now, why am I like that? Uh, unhappy man that I am. Remember those words we said about two weeks ago. Mm. Here, Paul mm. now so shows us that there is a, 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 a battle within our very nature. And um, and then he says here that we have a choice to make. In fact, he calls it an obligation. Mm. Mm. Um, in fact, there's another word that they use in another translation, which means we have a debt to pay. Where does human nature lead us to? And he says, you're going to die. And remember there in one of your favorite passages in Romans, I think the sixth chapter, where it says the wages of sin is death. Yes. So if we're going to die as a result of following and living according to our human nature, then is that therefore the wages of sin? So where does, what the consequences of such a choice? Are we indebted to, to sin? Is that what our obligation is to, in terms of our lives? And so the spirit of, of, of God then um, indwells us, giving us the opportunity to make another choice. So if we are going to choose to be led by God's spirit and not follow the desires of human nature, then the benefit, therefore, of us is, and this is the beautiful thing of it, when we allow the spirit to lead us, the mm. very first thing that helps us yeah. is to leads us out of slavery, out of fear. And what's the very thing we do then? With God's spirit, as God's children, we then can cry to God, Abba, Father. The very first words out of a child's mouth is the parent's title, Dada, mm. Mama. And so that's being led by God's spirit to, to the place of life, to the place of relationship. 
to the place in which we, 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 we originally were intended to be. And so we have to then become aware of this battle within us and how are we meant to focus on it. And so this gives us a, here is a deep sense of intentionality, not just taking life for granted, uh, looking at our actions. Why did I do that? Or why did I say that? Um, like Paul was doing, and then yeah. to be open to saying, which way shall I choose? Yeah. Does that make sense to you? Uh, yes, that does make a lot of sense. Um, there's just one little thing. Here. Does that make sense to you, Lindsay? Yes, it does. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so there's yeah, just so one In little... other words, I, I am now more aware as I've been... Sorry, go on. No, there's just one little thing where it says that, um, like verse 16, like God's spirit joins himself to our spirits to declare that we are God's children. And then since we are God's children, um, I'm just going to paraphrase and skip a little bit. We share Christ's suffering and we will also share his glory and then continues that I consider that we suffer at this present time, but cannot be... Co the suffering that we that we go through at the present time cannot be compared to all with the at all with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So what what I, I find interesting here is that um, it, it then kind of takes away that indebtedness because it's like now we shoulder to shoulder with Christ um, bearing that load, going through that suffering. So so where, where's the debt that we still need to pay? Well, well, the debt. The, the debt that we need to pay in gratitude to God is to be open to be led by the Spirit. What, what we do in terms of sharing Christ's suffering, when you go back to chapter 6 again, it mm. talks about baptism. And it tells us there that in baptism, in Christian baptism, we with Christ share his death. Mm. And therefore, because we share his death, we are able then to be to, to share his resurrection. So wherein was Christ's suffering? Christ's suffering was a result of our sin. Mm. So when we embrace the truth about baptism, we embrace the crucified Christ. We then in Paul is saying in that we are therefore embracing the very suffering he went through for us. The debt that he carried for us in his mm. suffering. Therefore, mm. Uh, we can't even pay the debt. He pays the debt for us. And so our obligation is to say then, why would we then want to earn the wages of sin, which is death, than earn the free gift of life that has already been paid on our behalf, which we cannot pay? Mm. So, our, so through baptism, our sharing in the sufferings of Jesus, which means dying to our sins. Um, there's a very famous um, uh, theologian who went through the Second World War. It was a great critique of, of, of Hitler, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who died at the hands of Hitler. He, he wrote and said, when God calls a man, he calls him to die. Mm. And so mm. it is recognizing that reality. The, uh, if we're going to choose to follow the spirit, we have to die to following human nature. Um, okay. And so what is what is then available for, for us when that happens? Um, 
that suffering that we go through, which comes up in, 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 in sickness, it comes up in like we suffered the oppression, uh, mm. you know, we were Christians, Christians that were causing other Christians to suffer as well uh, because of the color of their skin. Uh, when Jesus went to the cross, he died for all of that. Um, mm. And so when we look at, at, at that, if, if the suffering was as, as, as you know, mind-boggling and mysterious as it were, that he had to carry on our behalf, how much more must be, to, to, in order to overcome that suffering, how much more then must be the glory that he is part of, the, the very beauty of life, the very beauty of God that he is going to reveal to us. You know, this is the kind of language that I, I my own vocabulary doesn't help me to fully grasp. But, but then yeah. I think many people will, will be able to say that. So, so juxtaposed to each other is suffering and glory. Mm. And it's not glory that we just see, it's glory that is going to be revealed. So it's a continuous um, a con continuum. Uh, of revelation to us. Um, and we've already seen that glory before um, in Jesus' response to, to Martha, why were you not here when my brother died? Mm -hmm. um, Jesus said to her, Martha, do you believe that I'm the resurrection and the life? The glory was being revealed to her at that moment um, through the very person uh, that will show us the glory. And so He's, he's, he's juxtaposing the death that he will suffer in the face of the death of his, of, 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 of that we will suffer as human beings. He's already saying there is another reality that is life through resurrection, the power of resurrection. And so it was really revealed to her in word and in person. Hmm. And then, of course, in action when, when he called forth Lazarus from the tomb. Okay, so so Paul in 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 his letters he was kind of contextualizing um, the persecution that that the Christians were going through um, in Rome at the time um, throughout the empire, yeah. and so I, I I enjoy the fact that he brings into the equation the fact that there's no external evil, but it's more our our human nature um, that we are constantly in in battle with. Um, but then in the gospel, which is Matthew 13, verses 24 to 30, and then 36 to 43, Jesus's words kind of sketch this unknown evil, the evil one that has planted the weeds amongst the wheat. Uh, I, I, I just find it very strange that there's so much energy um, through the gospels spent on trying to justify the existence of this evil, and then later on, almost all of the apostles in their later writings kind of reframe it as being human nature, which I'm very much, uh, I'm, I'm on that track where it's like, we must take responsibility for what exists within us um, and, and decide to act differently. So, so, so why, why do you think uh, Jesus brings up a, a, a significant evil other and, and the apostles later on in life have, have defined it as being the evil is within us? Mm. Um, when you when you look at Jesus's own um, own battle with the devil in the wilderness, mm. remember the words that the devil 
put into his mind. He says, if you are, if you do. So, so there is a level in which sin was personified, evil is personified in the, 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 the person of the devil. Mm. Um, how the devil looks, we do know from um, uh, the understanding of scripture that it, 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 a fallen angel, mm. one who knows, w- w- in fact, the angel of light, one who um, was, w- was, was in the glory, but fell into to, 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 to the, to the what's Now, whether that was a way of trying to explain the existence of evil, go back to Genesis, for example, when um, I think it's Genesis chapter 6, mm. they were trying to explain the existence of evil through angels that had fallen and then had, um, had intercourse with virgins. And so, what's the name? Remember, they were also taking up stories of the the, the the ancient Near Eastern tribes and people around yeah. there that also yeah. tried to understand. So why is the evil in the world? What is the real cause of all of this? So in the in the in the in the temptation story of Jesus, you have the devil planting in Jesus a seed of doubt about who we are. Now mm. because we are fallen, one of the things about the Genesis passage is God comes to Adam and says, Adam, where are you? Mm. And then, in other words, Adam, if I know where you are, then you know where you, you are, and then you will know who I am, and you will know who you are in relation to me. But Adam, when you're hiding, then you don't know who I am, and you don't know who you are. And so what, the, what then does happen is the doubt sown about identity, an identity in relationship. Um, if you are the son, it's the very first, if you are the son of man, and that mm-hmm. identity of Jesus was constantly challenged. Now, so so somehow there is the personification of, 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 of evil in, in the person of, of the devil, of an enemy. How do we, you know, is there, is there something we can point to or does it actually say, Somehow, because of our fallen nature, there is a a a, a the sh- the image is shattered. So when we need to ask ourselves who we really are, what are we looking at? A shattered image. And so we can pick up pieces of ourselves, but we'll not be able to do that in a holistic way. So there's a battle going. So when you think about this little ground that was being cultivated in order for wheat to be sown. Mm. Somebody comes and sows in that. So within the confounds of the of that land that where wheat was sown, something else is also sown. But who has come to do it? So does that so, imply that that the other has the power of creation as well? Or, or the power, the, the power of doubt that can be sown in the ugly. When you look at the whole thing, once they identified that an enemy planted, mm. now it was no longer focused on who the enemy was. Their focus was, how are we going to deal with the situation? Because if, and it's interesting, 
the word weed was was not in was not one of the they were uh, this was another word used called tars yes tars and apparently this tar these tars were looked very much like wheat mm-hmm. so when the owner asked them to prepare the ground before sowing they knew that they prepared the ground sufficiently enough that and they took the proper seed to plant in there so they did not plant whatever came up so could it have been the wind that brought these stars from wherever they were or how did they actually get into that piece of soil that we know uh we didn't plant so there's an exposure hmm. and possibly somebody comes for destruction hmm. how hmm. we interpret that is where the question lies is it within us or does it come from without us for example there's the temptation that comes to us through hearing and through seeing we then can respond to saying we'll follow that or not follow that mm. so so something within us has the potential to respond to say no i'm not going to follow the evil something within us has the potential to say yes i think that's a good idea we'll do that mm. so so somehow the tars are planted with the wheat they look the same yeah but i was fascinated by the, the 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 understanding of the agriculture of wheat by the owner of this field which is a parable that is sketched of the kingdom of heaven by jesus mm. the owner knew what to do because the servants come to him and says hey what shall we do pull it up immediately so it doesn't have any no 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 don't do that let's wait until harvest time so the owner was in panicked he knew what will happen at harvest time mm. he had the understanding experience and the wisdom and um i also perhaps add to this the wisdom of the servants we don't know what to do so instead of us just rashly acting let's go and ask and that is what they did so that's mm. a beautiful story of how they collaborated and 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 um you know jesus in telling the story doesn't give us every detail but under the surface of the story there is detail mm. that that is very helpful to us um i know my own reaction to dealing with these things with pull it out immediately i remember doing a a course on conflict management mm-hmm. and the and the facilitator said i'm conflict choose your distance from me now we were lots of clergy together with our bishops and we were all interested to see where the other was standing and i chose to stand almost right next to conflict and the 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 um the facilitator said to me rodney you're standing too close and i thought that was very interesting because my thing is you if the thing happens now let me deal with it now yeah but according to him maybe you still need a distance to see what's happening so that you can appropriately deal with with mm. that act you know so I, this is this this is a beautiful story i think many of us will panic that you know who is this enemy and we would focus on the enemy whilst the tars may be killing the wheat 
but rather the focus was now that they're there, let's continue to care for the wheat. The tars will grow with them, but let's continue to nourish the wheat mm. so that at the end we will know the approximate, dist- we'll know what the difference is, we'll know what to cast away and burn and what to use um, as the harvest. So that, that, that for me, it's a beautiful story. But I want to go back to something you said earlier. Um, whilst the battle of evil is within us, mm. we also bring it to an external um, platform through our behavior. And I remember during apartheid times, um, there was a, a theological understanding of institutionalized evil. Mm. So when apartheid was written into law, there is institutional um, evil that we had to bow down to and feared because they tried to justify evil with um, with scripture and doctrine. Yeah. Yet when you see the, the story of the wheat and the tars, um, the there's, a, there's such a similarity between the wheat and the tars. Now, the intention of the tars is to poison you slowly. Mm. That was the intention of institutional law. It was, to, it was to poison us slowly. Isn't it interesting, therefore, that Mr. Madiba becomes a lawyer? Yeah. But it wasn't the law that showed him the glory. We don't know what happened in that cell as the wheat and the tars were growing together. Why did he stand out the way that he did? What happened in that cell that made him come out? And it wasn't his understanding of the law. It was the person that he presented us that got him to to sit next to Hendrik Favut's wife in her lounge and drink tea in Arania. Mm. That goes beyond the law. That's the spirit of the new law of love and forgiveness. Now, what, what we would want to do is to fight the wheat and destroy it ultimately. Sorry, the, the tars and to destroy it any form of evil to just get rid of it. The way he he broke through was in the kind of person that he was, that patient waiting for the harvest to come. Mm. Then we can reap better. And um and so and so how did he re- help us realize yes you're fighting against the immorality of the law because it's institutionalized sin. And when you believe in institutional sin, you begin to live that way. Mm. Um, you then become a tar and not a wheat. So, so even in the kingdom of God, we have to deal with the reality of the existence of evil. Even though we can't explain it and personify it, but it's a battle within us, as Paul says. We were talking earlier. Um, uh, I, I was kind of framing the way I, I test my own arguments against the world, where, where I imagine it as like a sword, and you you fight it against other swords. And if your sword breaks, 
or it, e- it either gets sharper or it breaks. And mm. if it breaks, I go back and find out why it broke. And maybe the other person's sword was better and then try and add all those things together. So I get a stronger weapon going on. Um, and, and for me, like the law is, is like that. That's why uh, like Cyril and Madiba, like both um, are good at arguing <laughs> because they want to learn more through that arguing. It's like you can twist. That's why I love language so much. That's why I love like journalism as well, because you you find the facts and you use your words and you twist it and you you turn it into something else that is in a convincing argument um, for somebody else. And, and I relish the fact when when we get pushback, <laughs> when I get, yeah. when I, get I sometimes actually out like I, I I encourage some certain forms of conflict, like even like my management style was always you need you you don't get the best out of people when everybody's happy, <laughs> you know. <Yes. laughs> like someone has to be pissed off and and really have a chip on their shoulder and have a reason to show you up, <laughs> and then yeah. they'll if they they deliver the absolute best work like that. Um, it's not it's not <laughs> very helpful sometimes. Um, not a lot of people respond well to that that method. But yeah, I I enjoy conflict. I I relish in conflict sometimes. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing that's happening here where even when when the disciples go back and they ask him after everyone's left and they ask him to explain what the parable was actually about. And then it, it seems because because it, it, it kind of leaves on, on the air of um, I am Jesus and I've told you this and I'm your teacher and you go off. But it, it doesn't seem like there's resolution on the side of the disciples, we never get a, a line from them to to say that yes, okay, cool, we get it. And 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 it's interesting that he then <laughs> he prefaces everything with saying the kingdom of oh. heaven can be relayed in this way. So it's like, is the world then the kingdom of heaven? He's not clearly not speaking about this idyllic place in the clouds where everything's perfect because someone comes and plants the the weeds within it. So, like, how does that person get into heaven? So that's where my mind starts going. So, yeah, I, I, I firmly believe that, like, there, there was certain, at least certain disciples went out and kind of formed their own understanding of, of evil um, th- through, these, through these parables. Uh, well, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, Matthew uses both terminology or mm. means the same, but it's about the rule and reign of God. So it's not about boundaries. Yeah. It's not it's not about a space. It it extends itself over every boundary and, and every every space. So how how does the how does the, the how does the kingdom of God function? And Jesus uses um words of similina. He says, um the kingdom of heaven is like or maybe compared to. So what happens? Somebody comes and sows good seed. But I'm also conscious that there's somebody that wants to sow bad seed, mm. right? So now the good seed is what my intention is because I intend the world to be good. I intend my creation to be good. Uh, the rule of God is for the good of everybody. Mm. But mm. I'm conscious that there is another presence, however we define that presence, that does not want the good to survive. So in order to poison the good, brings in what is the bad and 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 so try to exercise control over the good 
um, assuming that what is in the bad has got this poison that can conquer the good mm. and then mm. defeat it. So, so the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is not about boundaries. It's about the rule and reign of God. So, in other words, even within the rule and reign of God, there's 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 those whose intention is to cause the good yeah. to slip up. So, um, so now the concept of the kingdom is is a major theme for Jesus. Um, Matthew's gospel is a teaching gospel. So Matthew, for example, wasn't as fierce when getting us to understand Jesus is a teacher, um, that his students, the disciples, didn't capture it. He was very gentle. Jesus didn't use language. Mark was very more fierce in his writing about these students that just cannot understand. Mm. And he would um, he would challenge that Jesus was more fierce on the disciples. The energy of Mark, of course, was he was writing uh, because he believed that the time for Jesus' return was imminent in his time. So his energy was, yeah, you better understand quickly in order yeah. for, you know, that you don't get caught at the end. Whereas Mark, Matthew doesn't have that, uh, that, that um, fast movement. He mm. brings us to the mm. point where, where Jesus at the end says, I will be with you to the end of time. Yeah. So that yeah. promise of even being with these slow thinking people. Um, so, yes, I think all of us, um, many of us um, struggle with the presence of evil, the presence of sin, and also with the presence of suffering. Um, and, and, of course, all these questions are, the, are, are pointed to God. We do know from our readings of Scripture that the fall of man is a very important um, theme that we have to deal with from the beginning of time. Um, that even that God made us with free will, though he made us in his image, um, free will was the risk God took. Um, because he said, let us make man in our image. So the risk he took was that, and that was the temptation. The reason why he didn't want you to eat of this particular fruit was because you would become like him. That was the, the danger. And that is the fundamental tension. <laughs> between That's the us. fundamental tension. <laughs> because I am, I am fully invested in the idea that we did not fall. We rose up from flatworms to early mammals to apes to humans that we are now. <laughs> but that's on a biological level. <laughs> yeah. We, 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 we are, uh, the, the, the Hebrew mind understood humanity as holistic, mm. not departmentalized as the Greek mind did. Yeah. So whilst we have the biological development, whether it was done through evolutionary processes, because that's just terminology, it's semantics, really, in my view, you know, <laughs> but it's, it's, for uh, me, it's creationist the, worship. It's at the crux of, like, the philosophy. <laughs> yeah. Now, I understand that, but then, you know, my, my point of departure is, how do we, how do we grapple with, and, and all the sciences you and I are mention, will mention, goes back to that text that says, 
chapter 1 in Genesis verse 26 and 27. Let us make man in our own image. There are certain themes in that text mm. that we all deal with, such as, you know, how was man made? That's the question that we struggle with. Um, the book that I read, um, Origin by Dan Brown, mm. is fundamentally deals with these questions. Who are we? Where do we come from? And where are we going to? But that is all looked upon in, in terms of biological development. Mm. And, and so, for example, whilst you are saying all this philosophy, so that brings us to the mind. That brings us to how our minds really work, which in itself is a mystery. Hmm. I mean, the whole, the whole, what's the name? How do you develop? How do you develop motor skills in children? You, you have got to exercise their muscles. That is why we were smeared out with baby Johnson oil and all of that to get the muscles going, and then to to teach the child how to sit and to to touch and so on. But but, but, but at the same time that we were teaching those skills, we were also applying to the mind. How did your mind function? Because your mind and your body works together. And then we have to go deeper and say, is there another part of us which allows all of that to work together? Because the mind and my motor skills, my physical, biological skills may respond but I'm also responding to an, another individual. So I'm, I'm entering into a relationship. I'm negotiating a relationship. And so where does that come from? Is it just rationalization? Or does it go to the core of our guts, to the very core of our being? So body, mind, soul, and spirit. Do we then, is that all of who we are in terms of our responses? So that it, whilst we can talk about the the biological and the philosophical what about the spiritual is there is there that depth within us and that all three work together um but if it's as i said earlier and shattered shattered, shattered image is not my words i read that as part of a book that got smashed somehow so that when i try and function I'm often appealing to my rationality and not necessarily my biology. And yet when I, th when I think about things, my eyes flutter, my hands move, mm. somehow I'm compelled to write or type what I'm thinking. But as I write and type what I'm thinking, as one writer says, the reason why I write is so that I can understand what I myself am saying. <laughs> so where, where does the response to that then come? Where I now, having moved from my thoughts to my biology, and then to the, to the level of saying, I now understand where I'm going. So whilst the disciples could see in their mind's eye or even in their, in their biological eyes, all that Jesus was telling them, there was something still missing. We don't understand the story. So whilst I can hear what you're saying, I can rationalize what you're saying, but where does my understanding come in? And mm -hmm. is that the function of the soul? Uh, that yearning to 
for meaning. Yeah, I, I, I always frame it as, um, so so I, I, I like to use an example, and it happened with both kids, bizarrely, um, like walking, for instance, no one teaches you how to walk, like nobody teaches you how to walk, like you are primed to do that. Encouraged, like yes. Your, your biology is just, like, um, we have chickens, um, and uh, we just had a clutch of 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 chicks as well and they about i forget how old they are now and so they just walk around and they they fully functioning chickens <laughs> they just on a very small scale so they're like yes. eat the big millies and <laughs> like all yes. those sorts of things and they're still very like they can be carried off easily by birds and stuff um so well, what, what both my kids did and i i i, I noticed i'll use i'll use my daughter's example i was sitting we were watching tv in the lounge she was cruising around and then she stood at the coffee table and I had put my keys on the edge of the coffee table and all she did for like 15 minutes straight was take the keys and drop it and then squat down and pick it up and put it back on the table and push it off and drop it and that was just priming her muscles to get into that motion of moving the weight in that way so like for me, where, where the mind and where why I enjoy, why I refer to it as like philosophies as well, is all of these parables that, that we kind of dissect and all of these ideas that have come up about how it's, it's all about how humans interact with each other. So like at a base level, we are animals like we are born with all of the instincts and all of the biological priming that we need to to grow to a certain age and to reproduce like that. That's. And then how we relate to each other is is the bit that that requires a bit more finesse, <laughs> you know. Much so then there's easy, all yeah. these different philosophies of how people should be acting because that fundamentally like what it is like how you should to carry yourself is is the philosophy that that you subscribe to. That's why like I have no problems with Christianity when it comes to the idea of universal love and treating everybody like you would want to be treated. Like that is fantastic. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of the, the conflicts come when we start conflating that relation, interpersonal relations with um, an idea of like, we aren't baseline animals, and then like build everything else on top of that. Um, yeah. yeah, that's that's just that's just the way I, I, I frame it. But but isn't it inter in interesting? I mean, look, we we interpret through our language our observation, for example, of animals, mm. right? And, they are, uh, and, and, and plants and flowers and all of that kind of stuff. And we, there are similarities. Mm. We are planted as seeds. We grow just like trees and animals and so on. Yeah. But we are the ones who've written the language to understand how animals operate. Mm. And, I mean, what, what is interesting to me is that no matter when a, the study of chickens happened, there's still continuously people looking into this matter and doing research for the purpose of thesis and yeah. further yeah. trying to understand why a chicken is a chicken and why it does what it does. Mm. The chicken doesn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> we, we're Through the only ones rationality. Consider that, yeah. But that's how we understand it. We don't know the chicken's got a mind. <laughs> if it senses fear, it will respond. 
Yeah. If it senses food, it will respond. We interpret, to die. That, <laughs> yeah, we interpret that as, as not necessarily um, as a rational understanding. It's instinctive. Now, hmm. does that mean that it's instinctive, therefore it's not rational? Does it have a mind different to, I mean, a puppy, for example, you keep into the hand, when you're pressing it too hard, it wants to leave you mm. by force. Why? Because its body, its mind is saying, I am hurting. I need to get out of this situation. So mm. we have written thesis about how we think the animal world operates. Um, we're giving voice to how we think we also operate. What What is, what is, what is, um, what is interesting is that we're now in the 21st century um, of the modern world. It yeah. is a world yeah. that's come before history and stuff was written before major studies were done like this. However, we're still studying about the same things they started then. As if all the research done has not come, we've not completed and says we've reached the pinnacle. Mm. We think that through our philosophical research, our empirical researches, we are building the Tower of Babel because we think that at some point we will know everything about everything. What, what, what I'm impressed by a point you raised, why was the disciples then asking, what does this actually mean? Mm. And who were they asking? Who wrote the original story of human life, of creation, or of evolution, if that's the theme you want to use? We are all part of that story. Mm. And like the disciples, we are searching for meaning of that story, to make meaning of our life. And we can't do that from a disinterested selfish perspective mm. we do that being part of the process there is engagement on all levels if you seeking meaning seeking meaning is hard it's long term not short term mm. you know those that want to get off the bus at the earliest of the stations lose out on the rest of the journey and so there is no way that the story is completely written and yet the story is completely written. We just haven't gotten to <laughs> that point. So our, our Lord says, I will be with you till the end of the age. That as much as you are journeying towards wherever you think the end of the age is, but I will be with you. You don't know even where that end of the age is. You will not know Will there ever be a time that any generation will truly know everything about everything? And, and, so, and so we must listen to each other. Mm. And I, I just want to conclude, and I know I've spoken too long. Yeah. No worries. I was thinking about your, your, um, your story of sharpening my sword. Mm. And I was just imagining... That, that you need to have caution exercising patience as the, as the owner of the field did, not to pull out the tars 
before the time, but wait until the harvest, then you'll truly know the difference. The more you sharpen your sword, the weaker it gets. Hmm. So there needs to be a time and when you should trust that you've sharpened it and it needs, therefore, to you need a journey. You can't sharpen it every time because the more you sharpen your sword, the weaker the metal gets. So, what's the point in all of that? How are we meant to sharpen our swords? Are we then satisfied with once we've sharpened our swords against the, 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 the flint stone? Um, have we done it enough to be able to say, now this, now that I'm engaged in this tension, I'm able to feel sharpened by the benefit of having touched my sword against the flint stone with the water. But I mustn't do it to my detriment of weakening myself because I want to pressure who I am against that which may come against me. So what wisdom do I therefore need to be able to sharpen my sword to, that it has effect, effectiveness in my engagement? which does not always have to be in the context of conflict. Mm -hmm. But where I need wisdom to wait, that, that people will, in their engagement of me, be able to um, value my input. But then my input is not so perfect that it cannot be. And so, for example, I make this comment. When we had a conversation sitting around the table and there's a matter we all agreed to, to focus on, what I put on the table no longer belongs to me. Mm. It becomes public property, becomes the property of the people I'm dealing with. I can't take it back, but when I do take what I take from the, from, from the table, I know that what I'm taking back, it, it's not mine anymore. Mm. But I'll then use what I've taken back now that it has been enriched by the others. And as I then journey with that, I'm able to, to deepen that. But throw away what is not, throw away the tars. Ensure mm. that I still have the wheat around. Um, and so, and so my, um, my sense of of this, of, of, of conflict and of all of that, I must just be careful that I'm not weakening myself because I, I want to sharpen myself at all times. There's a period of waiting, a period of wisdom for the harvest. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I think that sword broke. <laughs> um, Father, I uh, before we 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 get into to the prayers of the church and other other points of 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 reflection for for the coming week, um, I, I just want to lay out some some of my own personal feelings around the whole. Like you mentioned earlier, 
obviously they are everyone knows there have been extra tightening of the restrictions again um, because there's a massive surge up in Gauteng. Uh, Cape Town's currently admitting fewer people and there are fewer fatalities um, to, to COVID-19, which kind of indicates that we we've, we are reaching our peak or we have maybe reached our peak. It's an ongoing thing. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I tweeted out something in, in the week where I, I kind of got fed up with all of the f- fanfare around the taking away of the alcohol. Where it's like, yes, I understand. <laughs> like my, my wife works in the wine industry. She's the only stable income that, that we, we have. Like I fluctuate monthly. And so it, it personally affects me. But I, I always believe that instead of arguing with the government and trying to figure out why these ministers are being so horrible to us, maybe we should start telling more people to wear masks and, <laughs> you know, sanitize their hands and like look at what we can do to try and stop the spread of, of the virus instead of trying to nitpick or at least challenge what the, the, the higher level sort of decisions that are taken to try and control like how many people are coming through to the emergency wards or entering our hospitals and filling up our hospital beds. Yeah, that, that's just my two cents. I just felt like the need to put it in there. I think I think there is a level in which we, you know, apartheid has dissected us so much mm. that we, we don't look at how my behavior impacts your behavior and how that can have a ripple effect across the nation. I think this time is calling for a collective um, sense of responsibility. And unfortunately, we now need to have laws of restriction to get people to think about the impact of COVID-19. And if we think of the impact, I mean, I said to you about a couple of weeks ago, I got something on on WhatsApp that showed me just how how COVID-19 in a very short space of time has become uh, the the area that causes the most deaths in the world. Mm. Um, and yeah, part of the problem is that we're not open to facts and to learning and to behavioral changes. Whereas Lindsay may be able to enjoy a glass of red wine and not upset his family. Others don't drink in that way. So where the result is, injury is caused. So where the result is, impact on the medical system is made. Mm and also on the policing services and also on the psychological services, just because one individual could not become in him or herself responsible. Um, I always valued the, the, the being on my first trip to on a plane where the steward tells you what to do in an emergency situation. Mm. And an emergency situation where the cabin air is all closed down and you only have masks coming down. The question that they asked was, whose mask do you put on first? And um, 
if you think that you're saving somebody else quicker and you don't really begin to look at your own behavior, then it means both of you may end up dead. Mm. If you say, we need to put on our mask so that the other's mask can be put on in a better and constructive way, because wisdom tells us facts and scientific facts, there is a, a, a time limit given in which we'll be able to do all of that and all can survive. Yeah. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen. Now you have to have legislation in place because a certain part of the population will not respond to, to that. It's as if they can't live without it. Mm. And, and so, but now it impacts uh, Megan going to work, but is going to be restricted because her industry is now being restricted. Mm. And so with any other industries as well. I, I don't know how do you get 55 million people to think collectively <laughs> and to be able to say, therefore, we will act in this way. Um, and, and, and politicians don't make it helpful to us either. Yeah. They are part of the leadership we must heed to, but you can't heed when you're not given a common mind. I mean, at this time, it shouldn't just be subtle, but then all of them need to speak collectively. Yeah. We're also having that trouble in the church right now around funerals and what certain people think because their belief is stronger, they don't have to follow some of these regulations. It's impacting mm. how we operate in ministry. And now there's tensions between certain churches because um, the, the accusation in the, in, the, in, the, in the faith industry, if I can put it like that, is, well, then your faith is not as strong as my faith in God. As if we can make a comparison <laughs> to that. Do, do you know what can, I mean? As if we can pray away COVID. <laughs> and yet the Spirit gives us gifts for the benefit of everybody. Why can't we think in that way? Um, Jesus went to the cross to save everybody. And even in that um, reality, there are, there are faith-based communities who want to say certain people are going to be saved and others won't be, as if mm. none of us have been saved. So I, I think that, you know, we, the, the constituency that I may be part of, I need to help them interpret why these laws are important. You know, I'm not we're not saying you can't drink, but we're saying, how, do, how are you meant to drink? Mm. At this and any other time, in a responsible way. And if you don't have, you don't have. So would my constituency, which probably makes up about 1,500 people, be able to say, our leader has helped us to interpret these regulations in such a way that we've got to behave then for the common good of all? Mm. Why does 97 million Vietnamese yield to the call and they only had 300 odd people who are infected? None of them have died. Why, why were they able to hear that? And yet in our country, the issue is not on COVID-19. It's on the fact that there's no more alcohol on sale. Mm. <laughs> and we are fighting each other around alcohol. Yeah. But at the same time, 
you know, if we thought about it in a, in a, in a collective way, then your wife wouldn't need to worry about the industry because all of us would have said it can function in a responsible way. Mm. Now, can we get to that point as South Africans and learn something for the benefit of all? And if we think about the about the example of Mr. Mandela and the sacrifice he made, that we would be able to learn something about giving for the benefit of all. Mm. I don't know. Does the 67 minutes only mean giving to the poor? But by giving to the less fortunate, is that perhaps not an, a way in which we're saying it's for the benefit of all? Mm. Indeed. Father, we have gone long, but I think it was important. Um, if you can just round up other points of, of reflection for the, for the coming week through the prayers of the church. Thank you. In the prayers of the church, um, we focus on giving thanks to God with our whole being and to glorify him, particularly in the church. So we ask God to keep us faithful to the hope of his glory and to open our hearts to be receptive to God's awesome presence. Also to pray for governments um, who are called upon to God and protect their people from every evil intent. And, to, and that God may help us to turn all our hearts from ways of hatred to peace. And then also to be people who are showing compassion uh, to each other. Um, and also that we may be agents of patience and grace so that God's transforming love will um, be present in the world. Then to think about those who are groaning and enduring hardships and in the darkness of all of that, that God may shine his glorious light. And then also to think of those who have died over this past week and that we may have God shine on them the brightness of his eternal glory. As we continue to pray during this time of COVID, that God, who is the author of life and the healer of the nations, may continue to grant us courage to face this trial, which is now our trial. The wisdom to find relief, healing and restoration, and faith to live responsibly for the benefit of all that God may grant us all his salvation for Jesus Christ's sake. And so we go to the concluding parts of our service where we then give the blessing. May we go into this week with the hope that Christ sets within us. As children of God, let the Spirit of God lead us and let God's righteousness shine like the sun until the darkness and light are one. And that wherever we go, and particularly that we take staying also important, 
we whether we scale the heavens or plunge to the depths may god's presence be inescapably with us may christ jesus in welcome us into his inheritance and may the spirit ensure us that we are god's children the lord therefore bless and keep you make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you amen enjoy the rest of the week god's people